Welcome back to the Wine Tech Insiders Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the wine snobs and a bitter taste. Um, there was a great article uh, that caught our attention by Tim Atkin um, called The Wine Trade or Wine Trade Blues, um, where he talks about the different personalities in the wine trade. Um, and it goes into a lot of things like the ideas of, of having certifications and, and where people are, how they get in. Um, there's some great quotes here. Maybe I'll just start off with one. Sometimes it feels like every third person in the wine in wine arrived there by taking a midlife crisis exit on the M1. Uh, is that how you got there, Seb? Uh, no, actually. So we didn't quite get to the midlife crisis uh, to, to get trolley started. Um, instead, we, we were all an absolute fan of the industry and we realized oh my God, this is such a traditional, old school, non-tech industry. We've got to do something, right? Um, but like, ultimately, ultimately, um, it is absolutely a gorgeous industry to work in. Uh, but there are a serious amount of you know, inequalities in the industry. There's a serious amount of really good stuff that gets done and it's never heard of, right? Um, so there's there's a lot of room for the industry to change and adapt, um, but yeah, no, we we definitely got into into the wine industry mostly for the tech or the lack thereof, really. I mean, Laurie, I think you're you're working a lot with California wineries, um, and um, do do they fit this profile, um, or is this a kind of old school European uh, profile? Oh. Actually, I'm, I'm going to highlight some Canadian wineries instead. I mean, I'm not going to give names, but um, I know a lot of Canadian wineries that are um, projects from people that, you know, semi-retired. Like, they're not old. They just make their money in another way. And just like, oh, you know, like, I don't know if it's a romance, a product, the challenge, probably like all of the above, but a lot of second carriers. So not necessarily like retirement, but just, you know, Typical profile would have been like, you know, uh, previous like stock market investors or just like things like that. That just like, I know somebody else like sold like a patent and just, you know, had a windfall of money all of a sudden and spent it all on like a brand new wineries, vineyards, and, you know, it's all gone. And hopefully like it's going to make some more um, that way. But like, yeah, like risk takers uh, in the second career move. So I don't know if it's just like an exit, but just like there's something a different kind of entrepreneurs, like second-time entrepreneurs in a way. I see that a lot. Uh, yeah. Until, until reality oh. hits and then they yeah. start losing money. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, well, and and coming up is ProWine. Uh, ProWine has not been um, around. It's coming in a week. Um, it has been closed down because of the pandemic. Um, and there will be a lot of the regulars in the wine world. Um, Tim, Tim had another great quote. Um, uh, what they find instead is geekdom supreme, a kaleidoscope of characters, hierarchies, and structures that must seem overwhelming at first. Jonathan, you'll be at ProWine. Uh, do you expect to see this? Do you think anything's changed in the last three years? Um, that's a good question. I mean, ProWine was a great microcosm to see this uh, world, as Tim describes it, every every year. Um, 
And you, I mean, the first time you go, you're just getting your orientation, just trying to figure out, you know, how everything works. And before you know it, the event is over. Um, the next year you go in with a bit more of a game plan. Um, uh, and, um, but you maybe plan a bit too much, or overestimate how, how quickly you can walk between the different buildings. Um, but you're still kind of, you know, depending on how you got there, you're still just floating around. And it's only, I think, after you've been there for like three or four years, then you start to be like, oh, let's meet up at ProWine. Are you going to be at ProWine? Let's catch up there. And you start to have have meetings. And so you can kind of have that feeling going through your different, your your, your life at, um, at the big wine shows. Um, uh, you can sort of either, you can see how you're, how your network is growing or not <laughs> um, <laughs> when when you go to them, but it's it's a definitely um, a microcosm. It'll be interesting to see how how that feels this year, where you have certain segments of the industry that won't even won't be there, um, really, like New Zealand or Australia that aren't even taking pavilions. Um, so it's 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 going to be a different year, but um, uh, there'll definitely be people like this push to get back together um you know, you'll you'll have a lot of familiar faces back and, and look just to add on to that i think we we also need to from that quote right from what tim is saying uh mr atkins i don't know him personally um we need to take that onto a consumer end and, and i think consumers coming into the industry or starting to discover the product, feel the same thing, right? The industry is really daunting. There's a lot of, I know it tastes this and I know that, and a lot of people don't quite relate to that. Uh, and I don't think the industry from the inside out, I don't think there's too many snobs in the industry. Most people are really good human beings, just wanting a good time, a good drink, and to share it and to talk about it. But as an industry, the barrier of entry seems so high that the consumer of today is like, yeah, whatever, right? It's it's not something that they associate with. Um, and quite often I, I use the, the reference of the, whis the world of whiskey, who has changed drastically over the last, give it a decade. Uh, and when you do a whiskey tasting, right? Oh, taste this, a bit of that, a bit of this. If you don't like it, they'll just give you another one to try. In the world of wine, when you taste something, if you don't quite taste what they're saying, the, end, the, the natural answer is, well, try it again because you're wrong. You've got to taste this, right? So the approach, the snobism that's kind of inherent to the industry is causing problems on sales, right? Overall, wine is, is over the last 10, 15 years has been struggling to adapt to new consumers. And new consumers, look, we're now in a world of influences, right? So you've got a certification, you've got something, you're, you're, you're known in the industry. I don't care. I have a million followers. That's the world in which we live in today. Um, so that's why I think the industry really needs to adapt. And that needs to be broken down to a point where consumers can just be free to discover and enjoy the drink in their own way like everyone does in the industry, right? That's, most, that's mostly why a lot of people get in the industry. It's a great drink. It's a great lifestyle. We're just going to have, you know, dinner. Mm. Um, it's, but I do think it has a serious impact on overall consumption and sales and marketing. 
Well, Laurie, could that be changing from the inside? Uh, there was another article about um, uh, from a, a, we have a great quote from uh, Stevie Staxion. Staxion is a sommelier and owner of Oakland, um, Oakland, California's grape, uh, Bay grape wine shop. No one is going through the court, which is the court of the master sommelier anymore. Um, do you think, what are you finding? Are, are you finding that expertise is sort of coming from, from experience, from different things, or are people still looking to these old certifications? I would say it's fading. Uh, I think especially for like the younger generation, um, I think a point that we touched upon like earlier is more like how does it fit my lifestyle as a consumer and how does it fit my values? And values could be, um, you know, like we say, like biodynamic, sustainable, like all of that, and also like, you know, minority, women-owned or vegan and all of like. So I think these are more like uh, interesting um, like point of entries for people. And I mean, and there's also kind of like a novelty factor. I can't help to think that, um, and I see that even here, like I'm in Portugal right now, and it's just like the, the like so many like pet nat, like, like all like this kind of like wines that just, they don't have a flavor profile to go against. Like there's no expectation behind it. You just enjoy it for what it is. And it's just like, and people talk about it. There's no like snobism because you can't, is it a good Bordeaux or a bad Bordeaux? Is it a, it's not even like on the table because it's like, oh, this is like a great enjoyable moment at this point in time. And I don't have to have this um, reference to put it against. I think maybe that's what's a bit intimidating with the wine industry for, consum for consumers. It's just like, I need to know, I need to compare or like know about vintage or like sourcing to just appreciate it to this fullest. Or I'm being told to believe that I need to know. And I think maybe newer wine just like get rid of that uh, baggage and go with what they want to do. do. Do we have any any knowledge or any numbers as to how many people go through the, um, the, the, the certification process? How many people enroll each year? We, we know it's a pretty hard certification, uh, but do we know if there's more people coming in, more people trying to get certified, a few people going to, trying to get certified? Um, I've, uh, I've heard anecdotes um, that at least in certain regions, the number who are going through wine courses is increasing, um, but the, they're not going to the courses. It's self-study. <laughs> so it's, it's like study at home. And so it's like the, the challenge is how to get the wines uh, that you want to taste um, to people at home because in the class you're able to share a bottle. Whereas if you're doing the home tasting, yeah. that becomes a bit more difficult. So then it gets into rebottling and all of that. Um, but there, um, but there is a general um, interest in the in the education that seems to be there. But it's not the traditional sort of classroom style um, um, bit. But I, I don't know if that's I don't know if it's everywhere, and I don't know if that's necessarily because they're trying to still get a certification, or if it's a bit more of um, I'm working from home. I want some challenge to go after. I enjoy wine, so I'm going to enroll yeah. some. I'm going to enroll in some wine courses and do some wine courses. I think it's not. I think it's. So I, I don't think it's contradictory necessarily to uh, what um, Stevie Saciones um, had said. It might just be focused on a different segment of who, or it's different in different segments of yeah. of, of this. Look, it's. I think it's a really interesting topic because we're talking broadly about 
the internet, right? Which kind of came out in the 80s, 90s as being the great equalizer, right? You don't need to go to a top-notch university. You can learn how to code online. You don't need to go to all the certification process to be a top someone. Yeah, you can learn and try stuff online and, and get information locally. Um, I think overall, we're, we're taking the accessibility of that knowledge and, and we're broadening it, right? Everyone has access to more and more and more and more knowledge if they yeah. wish to do that. The question is really, how does it leave the certification process behind it? Is that certification still going to be relevant now that there's an increasing, we're talk, we talked about influences, right? There's an increasing number of influencers who are not certified and guess what? They know their shit and they sell. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's interesting to see how the industry is going to have to shift and adapt. The wine industry, like many others, right? Um, but I really don't know how much. It'd be interesting to have a restaurant kind of an input. Uh, how much sommeliers still need to be certified or guess what? Self-educated sommelier and that's fine. It's probably to do a little bit with the ebb and flow of like the economy as well. That uh, if you have um, at the moment, there is a huge demand for hospitality. Uh, right. And so the, maybe the, the moment is not the one where people can really pick and choose that much about, whether you're certified or not, they're just happy that you know a bit more wine than the next person. Um, uh, but maybe in a different economy where there is a bit more competition and you have a bit more pick, then it, you know the hand goes or the, the advantage goes, you could say, to the shop owner um, who yeah. then does get to have a pick of the litter and says, okay, I want somebody else to, to establish a standard for me and then I can, that helps me make a decision, helps me feel better making the decision um but uh it probably has a bit to do with just the job prospects which at the moment are yeah really going more towards um employees than employers yeah it's interesting i'd, I'd be curious to talk to someone uh, on the uh on the court side to to understand what are they doing to try and keep the program relevant moving forward well, um, just, just to finish off, uh, Tim did say some hopeful things or some nice things about wine personalities and the people in the wine world. Um, he said, just as some of the world's unhappiest people are in the wine trade, so are some of the happiest. For someone who truly likes it, though, it has much to offer, a window onto geography, history, culture, science, and technology. I think we cover a lot of those you know, in the pod um every every few weeks the not to be underestimated opportunity to be there for people's good times um and so i true. think that's a great a great yeah. quote and look i think i think i would definitely um i'm fascinated with the, the the macro kind of movements and the whole concept of this the great resignation we're all kind of seeing um and i i really think that genuinely a lot of industries have a lot of happy people enjoying what they're doing, communicating and sharing and, and really wanting to be there. And a bunch of others who they've been battered down and it's just not their thing and it just doesn't quite work for them. Um, but I think there's a lot to be said on being curious 
about an industry, being curious about a product. Uh, and uh, and you can tell, the, the from my perspective, in my experience, a lot of uh, the curious winemakers who just try this and they try and they look at things a bit differently. Oh my God, the product they make is outstanding, right? Um, and so, yeah, 100%, ultimately, that we, we need to keep in mind that um, life, that the priorities and, and what we should be focusing on is really the discovery and the human interactions uh, far more than just a mere bottom line. You know what I mean? Well, I think uh, I would I would um, would uh, echo what you said a little bit earlier in the in the uh, podcast said about you coming into the industry because there was such a challenge um, here, and I think that's what also uh, caught my interest at the beginning because you don't really have um, even in tech, you know, with all with dot com and everything twenty years behind us. Um, you know, you don't really have those many green fields anymore where there's not real, where there's such a, an opportunity to sort of have a chance to make a mark on an industry. Um, and um, I think that challenge, there is a unique challenge in the wine industry and it's not something that is just as cut and dry to setting up an online bookshop. Um, it's, <laughs> there is, there is, you know, there's, there's, it's a more nuanced, it's a much more international, like it, there is no such thing as a local, uh, a local wine industry there you don't just start local it's immediately international um so, yeah so funny you mentioned that jonathan like I, I so relate like you know i was literally like working on this like this week like thinking about it like actively and it's just you know our channel works with like 16 countries and just we're just getting started it's just, like, there's just something uh about it like the potential of this industry that is also a product you know like wine that is more often than not beloved by people around the world too. Like some things that is in their mind. I mean, you know, nothing wrong, but you know, like I was looking at other industry where they do like PCs for like inside an airplane, super important, but also nobody cares, right? Like you get like, you know, like there's not a lot of follow-up question I would imagine at the dinner party, uh, but just working in the wine industry, like it's just, you know, this light bulb moment um, that you have with people and it's yeah it's really really interesting and when people like I'm in the co-working space right now and people start seeing me like looking at alcohol from like you know 9 a.m onwards all day long and like you know like yeah this is what I do I work in the in the alcohol industry she's like oh this is so cool it do, it does have that appeal like that general like I know I know it I drink wine um so something not to be to forget sometimes. There's, I, there's, there's, um, I think there might be a bit of a parallel. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a completely left field kind of argument here. A very sad argument. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, but the idea is that any industry or any jobs or, or anything which is going back to human pleasure, social pleasure right so you talk about some restaurant people working in restaurants for instance and it's a it's a really hard job to work on the floor at a restaurant but they're having they're being surrounded by people who enjoy mingling with each other and spending time with each other the wine industry has this bit of an aura where ultimately you know we agree we do get a bit tipsy sometimes and it's it's just life and it's just good to be with others right um, now is the cannabis industry going to be able to do the same thing because ultimately we're having different experiences. We're looking at 
the mushroom and the micro dosing stuff, there's different things which are developing around allowing humans to enjoy themselves and enjoy people around them. Is the wine industry really adapting and moving forward? I don't know. I don't know. It's a beautiful industry, no doubt. Um, but at the same time, I do think there's a um, maybe, maybe I don't maybe the, the the classic profile of you know a small winery. Um, maybe we're just not adapting well enough with technologies and communications online and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, look, it's one of the many industries which I'm I'm personally very proud to be part of. <laughs> Well, that's a great note to end it on. That was episode 29 of the Wine Tech Insiders podcast. I'd like to thank our insiders, Jonathan from Bottle Books, Seb from Trolley, and Laurie from Outshinery. See you all in a few weeks. Nice one. Have a good week, guys. Bye, Bye everyone. Bye. Ciao.